we had bought our first rental like in 2014, I think it's probably 2014. We had basically gone in like debt. We had just got married. So like we didn't have any, any cash. I spent all my money on, you know, wedding and you know, investing, you know, just like a house, like all this stuff. It was like, oh my gosh, we need to make as much money as possible here. Welcome to the House Hacking Success Podcast, where you'll learn the path to free rent and financial freedom through real estate. Featuring your hosts, Brad Labrie and Drew Klingler. What's up, everybody? It's your host, Bradley Labrie, and today I want to talk about the podcast sponsor, Rentometer. Whether you already have an established rental business or analyzing your first rental deal, you know that getting the rent right is crucial to lowering investment risk and optimizing your rental income. That's why the go-to source for rent data is Rentometer. Property investors and property managers rely on Rentometer because it is the fastest and easiest way to access quality rent data for addresses and neighborhoods anywhere in the United States. You can also research current, local comps, trends, and property data. Don't take our word for it. Rentometer analyzes over 500,000 rents per month and gets rave reviews from customers. My property manager, myself, and my clients all use Rentometer anytime we were looking to purchase a new property to know exactly what we can get for our properties. Go to Rentometer.com today to get your seven-day free trial and save up to 60%. Grow your rental business smarter with Rentometer. What's up, everybody? Real quick before we start the show. If you go down to the description or the show notes for this podcast episode, there's a link and that's going to send you to a page that you can download our free ebook on. This ebook is really good. Brad wrote it and it covers everything that you need to know about house hacking in a very structured order so you can put all the pieces together. All right. Enjoy the show. Welcome to the show. I have a great guest today, Brandon Gentile, a good friend of mine. He lives in my market. Brandon, I appreciate you coming on. Yeah, thanks, Brandon. I appreciate you having me on. Absolutely. We're going to get in touch with uh, all sorts of things today. The freedom aspect of financial freedom that you talk a lot about, uh, which I think is a, a, a valuable piece to the community of the FI community. Uh, but first, let's talk a little about you and your wife. You have three kids under four and you house hack. That's a huge objection. Let's talk a little bit through your story and, and the whole house hacking aspect of it. Yes, yeah, the great, great question. And uh, that's obviously as we, you know, as you get into this, you know, world, obviously you have, you know, those people in your life, whether your spouse or whether it's family or friends, whoever is going to obviously, you know, tell you to talk, try to talk you out of it, try to save you, try to help you. And it's all come from a good place. Right. And, um, and they're just trying to look out for you. And that's where being certain in what you're doing is so huge and, and being steadfast in that. And, you know, it did, it doesn't come out without hitches, no matter who you are or what you're doing you know, in the beginning. I mean, I, our first rental we ever bought was probably seven years ago, 25 years old. And uh, that was a challenge, you know, like I, uh, we weren't totally on the same page and, you know, it, it caused definite uh, friction between uh, my spouse and I, and it was, it was a learning experience. And now, you know, we're fortunately on a lot more on the same page now and we do our weekly meetings and we do, you know, we just actually this year just really got into more of like a full, you know, annual quarterly monthly meetings and weekly, we've been doing weekly meetings with each other for a number of years now. Uh, but now we're actually doing, you know, a daily five minute, uh, little huddle in the morning when we get up we have the kids with us actually so starting to incorporate them into that uh when, when they get up around 7 7 30 but it didn't start out that way you know like you're, you're trying to especially the first few years you're together or married whatever it is you're trying to get on the same page you're trying to figure out what's going on you know how you're going to operate and it, it, you can do all the talking in the world beforehand but once you really start getting into everyday life and you're doing all these things together you got to start figuring it out so i always had this plan of you know house hacking and and doing you know and i don't even know how it, it really came about necessarily um i don't remember how i even 
even really was learning about it, uh, just house hacking. I just remember thinking like, man, I want to be able to live somewhere and then have it, you know, paid off or at least almost pay, paid off or cash flowing, whatever it is, and have that ability to do that. And I remember just saying like, hey, you know, Jessica, we're going to let's do this for a year and then we'll do another one, maybe a year or two later, and then we'll do it twice and then we'll get a, a real house. Well, here we are five years later, six years, almost six years later, and we're still in the first house that we ended up uh, purchasing a duplex, side by side duplex. And it's really nice. I mean, it was it was built only 25, 30 years ago. And so it's, it's pretty new. It's just two side by side units. It's like a big, long ranch in essence. So it's really nice. I mean, I know not everyone has the ability to, you know, some are chopped up houses that are retrofitted. Some are, you know, built to be a duplex like this one is or a fourplex, whatever it might be. And you have that ability to go in. Everyone's got different situations, but we, it worked out pretty well for us. Like you said, now we have three kids under four. That wasn't necessarily the plan to be doing that. Um, but, you know, as we'll, we can get into your, obviously more of just studying the economy and the way things are going, um, trying to be a realist and trying to look from the positive side and the negative side of things and trying to be somewhere in the middle. I just, I was really, you know, looking at things like, boy, this, this charade can't go much longer. And really in 2015, 16, I was thinking, I mean, we're due for another correction and really just didn't foresee one Donald Trump winning, I guess, and having things turn the economy a little bit and thinking, Hey, we're due for a dead cat bounce and things are going to crash again. The Fed, you know, the Fed doing all the things they're doing, printing everything. They're buying assets left and right bonds. Now they're getting into buying corporate, you know, company corporate bonds and things like that. And that's just going to continue to increase and get crazy and crazier as time goes on. And I just didn't foresee all of that necessarily. And that was, that's just propped things up longer and longer. It's going to create a bigger crash at the end of the day, which is good for, you know, people like us and people listening. All of us are paying attention. I mean, it's great for us because we're going to be able to pick up, you know, bargain real estate at some point someday. But it, you know, in the beginning, it wasn't, uh, wasn't easy getting on the same page and it's not, it's not easy now. We got three kids under four. I mean, it's, it's 1200 square foot place actually. So it's, you know, pretty good sized place, but you know, again, there's five of us, little kids running around. There's, there's not tons of room, but it serves a greater goal. It serves a greater purpose of delaying gratification, obviously. And then, you know, loading that spring, I always say loading the spring and doing what you need to do in the beginning and then letting that spring go eventually when you're ready. So that's really kind of the, uh, our, our, I guess, Jessica and I, our process here in the beginning of what we kind of plan on doing. And we all, you know, with that, I mean, utilities included and everything, and we only pay a couple hundred dollars a month. Um, so it covers dang near all of our living expenses. Um, all of them, not just, you know, your pity or whatever your principal interest tax insurance, but covers dang near everything. So it's, uh, it's an unbelievable way to go. And I, and so you guys obviously are always talking about and having people on to talk about, but it's, you know, how many more people do you need to have, you know, come on and say how great it is to be able to do that? Well, it's always about relatability. You know, and and that's uh, one of one of the things I really like about you. I mean, uh, you you you're so you talk you touched on it briefly. The fact that you were able to see a little bit into the future, uh, the fact that you know, a things probably couldn't keep going the way that they were forever. Uh, but then also the fact that you you touched on you guys didn't necessarily foresee having three kids in this, but you can see how you you know if you get into it early enough, uh, you kind of allow life to happen, and then and then eventually you know you'll buy probably the place you want in the area you want and things of that nature. Uh, the exact same. Same way that my wife and I have done, uh, you know, and, and and we we it sounds like we're in a very very similar situation. Um, but I just like the fact that you above above most people I know are, have the ability to see into the future a lot further than others, and that's why we wanted to have you on the show. No, I appreciate it, Brad. I mean, that's one thing. I mean, I, it's my my team jokes with me all the. time.
the time and they're like, you know, hey, dude, if you, you know, if you didn't look like 100 years in the future, we'd be a lot more successful even than we are now. And um, it's it's a blessing and a curse, right? Some people, I don't know what it is. I, I just love history. Like I said, you know, before, I think we were off air. I mean, just I, I was really into politics as a kid, history, law, the military, things like that, and studying history. And when you start studying, you know, military history, things like that, you start seeing the world from a different perspective and you're, you see things that they don't teach you in school. You're seeing, you know, capitalism versus socialism, capitalism versus communism, things like that. You're seeing the two you know different worlds and you can see clearly which way the world's trending the which way the united states is trending going away from capitalism towards you know uh, state run you know whether you, it's socialism you know and then communism eventually it's it's going that route you know it doesn't mean we have to be there or we'll get there someday but we you know we're already halfway there um so it's it's just trending that direction so it, for years i was trying to fight it arguing with people arguing with teachers arguing with people left and right and then you realize i gotta i gotta fix this internally so eight years ago it's really the, the crash 10 years ago i was a senior at michigan state and that's where my life really changed i was playing hockey at michigan state there as a senior i was thinking you know am i going to go play pro what am i going to do with my life you know this thing's crashing i'm watching this happen and i was like man there's a game being played and i got to figure this game out because there was it was very evident there's a game being played bailouts are happening left and right you're being told well these things are too big to fail and blah 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 and you know well are they you know is who who's bigger than 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 i am right who's bigger than you are so there's people in the world that are more important than you there's more people more you know so you start getting into these things you're like really interesting so you start really getting into diving in this and that really led into uh, studying currency studying monetary history fiscal you know policy all these different things and so it, it led from politics for you know for 10 years from probably 2000 2010 2009 and then the last 10 years for me have been really about studying money studying currency studying and in, investing in general you know, real estate obviously a big part of that gold and silver you know crypto has been a big part of that obviously and um and then investing you know real, doing real estate house hacking was just one of those one of those things along the way where it's like okay this is just makes sense to do it. Obviously, you need to do that to kind of springboard us in the beginning of our our life together, Jessica and I, in doing that to set our family on the right trajectory. On the right trajectory. So it was just you know it was very simple. And you kind of start distilling things down, and then um, coming back full circle. Like I said, it's one of those things that's a blessing and a curse. Like I um, I see very far into the future, and yeah. it's 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 great at times, but then it sometimes you like I was saying earlier, like you uh, I thought the market was going to crash, where you sometimes you're too soon, you too you're too early, and so you got to be very careful. You know, you got to try to live on the edge, see both sides of the coin and then be able to live on the edge and try to make your decisions when you, while seeing both sides. And obviously that's something that a lot of people have a very hard time doing nowadays because it's not, we're not taught that in school. We're not taught that in pop culture. We're not taught that in the media. It's, it's just, you know, one side, that's it. We're going to jam this on your throat. And, uh, and that's what I'm vehemently, vehemently against. <laughs> yeah, no, I, uh, I, I appreciate that. And uh, so, so let's take a step back. I want to get into your outlook of the twenties. Uh, I want to get into, you know, some of the things that we talked about. I mean, you and Robert Kiyosaki have a lot of similarities in, in your approach to uh, you know monetary policy and things like that. I want to get into that. Let's go back through your story. You touched a little bit on being at Michigan State. Like, walk us through um, kind of the last you know 15 years of your life leading up to where you are now with you know sort of the real estate portfolio you have and some of the things of that nature. And then we'll go into some of the fiscal policy. Yeah. So you know, started. I grew up in Michigan. Obviously, grew up in uh, Clarkston, which is you know North uh, Metro Detroit basically. It's, it's literally you know you look at a map and it's just outside of like the actual metro area, I guess you'd say. So about 40, 50 miles north of the city center and, you know, grew up playing hockey my entire life. It's all I, it's all I really knew. Uh, went to school as a really, really good student when I was young with all the, the, the really smart kids as in grade school and then like into junior high. And then as I got older, I, you know, just proceeded to drop off the map more and more because things didn't make sense, especially in high school. It really started, it really culminated in college. Dang near almost not graduating. I think I had like a two, two or 
two, four or something like that. It just because like I already mentioned, fighting with teachers, arguing with them, nothing made sense. You know, why are we here? Why aren't we learning about making money? All these questions that it was just, I wasn't taught as a kid growing up. I was blessed. My father was an, was an optometrist. He's an eye doctor. He works for a huge company here in, uh, in Michigan and a huge regional company. And so I had a great life. I was able to play hockey. Like I said, coming back to the hockey part, I played hockey my entire life. Very expensive sport, obviously traveled all over and, you know, I was in Canada, basically probably every other week, most of my life. And, uh, in, you know, somewhere in Canada, in Toronto or wherever, drove all over the Midwest, uh, traveled all over doing that for years. Um, was a big kid growing up. So I, I was a very good player for most of my life and just had that fire, that killer instinct, I guess. So, you know, just, uh, I hear, you hear Jocko Willink, if everyone listens, if anyone listens to him, it's like the feeling of, you know, you're rocking, you're sitting there at night asleep and you wake up in a cold sweat because you know, some guys in a cave somewhere holding an AK-47 plotting how to kill you. That was me. That was like, that was me as a kid growing up. And it's, so I, I really relate to stuff like that because it was, I was, I was doing night runs, you know, like it was like, I'm 14 years old and it's like, man, someone out there in Canada or someone, a kid in Russia is getting better than I am right now. Cause he's awake while I'm asleep right now. That was me as a kid growing up. And, um, it was like, I'm, I'm going on a run. It's, it's midnight and I'm going on a run. My parents be like, what are, what are you doing? And I'm like, I'm going on a run and, um, you know, shoot, you know, shooting pucks all day, every day, things like that. So just constant, you just like, how can I be better? How can I be better? And it's tiring. You know, like it's, it's tiring. Um, for, I'm, I know people around me, it's tiring for my parents. Cause there's like, dude, this kid just won't stop. And, um, so they drove me all around, you know, hell's half acre. God bless them. I don't know how in the world you're a hot, you know, people are hockey parents. They're the most, the craziest people. Cause in hockey, I don't, anyone who hasn't played hockey. You, if you're in hockey, you, you get like the worst times ever for some reason. Like when you're a kid, when you're a little kid, you got to drive the kids to the rink at like five in the morning, six in the morning. And then when you're like four, 13, 14, 15, you get slotted like the, the, the latest time slots of the day in ice. He's like, there's only so many ice rinks in the world. Right. So like, it's not like a basketball court. You just go play anywhere you want and you can, you know, there's a hoop. Cool. We can go play. Well, there's only so many rinks to go around. So, mm-hmm. you know, back in the nineties when hockey was really huge and, you know, the, the wings here in Michigan were obviously great. And yeah. there's tons, there's just people playing hockey everywhere. Well, you know, you're playing at nine o'clock at night and 10 o'clock we get home. And that's partly why I wasn't doing great in school either into high school and on, because you get home at, at midnight, you know, like you're going to sleep at 1am and then you're getting up at six or six 30 to go to school. So, I mean, like, you know, being a half a days, you know, trying to do schoolwork and things like that. And then I'm starting to argue with teachers, et cetera. So, so I was very fortunate. They, they gave me this, this path to, you know, play hockey as obviously a passion of mine, something I loved. It's all I knew, did it all the time. I ended up going, playing triple A hockey here in, in Michigan. And then high school hockey is not end all be all in Michigan and Minnesota it is, but here it's really triple A hockey. Uh, so it'd be like playing AAU for you know, anyone that's played other mm-hmm. sports or things like that. Pop Warner football or whatever it is. Like you're playing a like travel sport. So triple A. Then I went when I was 16, my junior and senior of high school, I went and played for the U S national team, uh, under 17 and under 18 team, which actually was based in Michigan. So it was, it wasn't based in, you know, Massachusetts or something like that. We were, I was lucky because I was a homebody very close to my family. So I only had to travel an hour away. Right. I only had to, I lived actually with a billet family when I, in my junior and senior year, I left Clarkston and then moved down to Ann Arbor for the, the top 20 kids in the country in our age group all moved to Ann Arbor and we lived there we worked out there. We'd, we'd go to school and then we'd come to, we'd go to the the rink, we'd skate for an hour and a half and then we'd go work out and then we'd go run or we'd do, we'd box, we'd, we'd spar and um, stuff like that. You're 16, 17 years old doing this stuff. It was incredible learning experiences and you're obviously with, you know, elite people around you. So it was very, uh, very cool to do that. Was, that was my goal. Like looking back, my goal was always to make that team. It was never to make the NHL actually. So, um, when I, when I look back, I realized the power of goals. It's like, you know, you got to be careful what you're setting your sights on. And that truly was, I wanted to put the, the flag on my sweater. I wanted to wear that on my chest. 
podcast. And I was very proud to do that. And that was my goal. Uh, so I accomplished my goal. I did that. We, we won a world championship when I was on the under 18 team against Canada in 2005. And uh, so that was in the Czech Republic. So that was amazing doing that. Then I went off and played for Michigan State at, uh, at Michigan State for four years. We won a national championship my sophomore year in 2007, which was, you know, incredible winning it. It was even more fun, you know, the, the month after that uh, at, back at school. So that was the, the highlight of that. And um, so that was incredible. Then I played in the minors for a few years. So when I was, um, I got I got really badly, you know, hurt though, actually my, when I, right before we played Worlds, when I was a senior in high school, I got hurt. We were playing the University of Michigan. So when you're a senior in high school, we would play colleges. So we played Michigan State. We're all 17 years old, 18 years old. We're playing co- the actual college teams. And that was the way USA Hockey set everything up is to really prepare U.S. born hockey players for the NHL, you know, yeah. as, as life goes on. So we were very fortunate. We were playing Michigan at Yost Arena and I got tripped going into the boards and I went down and basically destroyed my groin and like full speed went into the boards and ripped my groins, my groin must on both sides. And so pretty much looking back as, as the trajectory of my career was going up and then everything started going down after that, uh, really knocked me out for like a full year basically. I went to Worlds actually hurt. Uh, they shouldn't have taken me. Uh, I was just Fortunately, I was a I was a good kid, so they they took me. They wanted me there because they 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 didn't take like four other guys in our team. So I was very blessed to be able to go. I ended up playing a bunch. We did great. We won, and then went to uh, World Junior uh, the World Junior tryouts that summer. Had a great tournament, but I hadn't skated all year, hadn't practiced, really hadn't worked out, couldn't do anything, and uh, ended up missing, didn't make the, the World Junior team, obviously under 20 team. And then Michigan State, I went, missed, I only played 17 games of like the 45 games that year because I was hurt. I missed the first three months of the season. Then after my freshman year, uh, I had surgery, I finally had surgery. They're like, hey, we've tried everything. We got to open you up and see what's going on. And so, you know, long story long, as my wife likes to say, that really was like the the downward trajectory of my career. And, and again, my my goal wasn't to make the NHL necessarily. I never had set that really as a true goal. And it was just like, oh, I think that's going to happen. I expect it to happen. Well, you, you know, you got to you got to set those goals. And I think that's one thing to really get out of all that. Ended up playing in the minors for a few years. And, and that's where it just really got into, okay, I'm studying this great. The financial crash had happened when I was leaving state, going to the minors. And then that's when it just became, you know, really me questioning everything, which, which leads up to the last 10 years of the modern day, which is really is what is going on? Why am I here? I'm just playing a game. And as you get older, like, when you're a kid, you're only like, you know, I'm playing football and stuff like that. It's all you're thinking of. It's like, I'm, I'm playing hockey, you know, like I, I'm playing football, I'm playing sports, I'm doing whatever, I'm playing my instrument. It's all you think of, you know, like yeah. you're not doing anything other than like, oh, I just that, that is life. Well, as you get older, and then I'm 22, 23, 24, I'm like, man, there's just a lot more to life. I'm starting to get hurt and things like that. I'd never been hurt in my life before. And it was very fortunate in that regard. So I was starting to get hurt and I was like, man, what do I want to do? I want to be able to walk and think when I'm 40 years old and have kids and be able to do things with them. And I'm only playing a game, you know, like I'm not giving back to society at all. And that's mm-hmm. where I started thinking about a lot of different things that, again, like I said to you off air, I'm an, uh, an odd dude. I mean, I, you're 22, 23. Why am I thinking about things like that? Yeah. Um, you know, it was just always when I was 14, I was thought that way. And it's, it wasn't cool in high school. It's it's cool now to think more like that when you're older, when you have kids and things like that. But when you're 14, mm-hmm. you know, your friends, no one thinks it's that cool. It's like, okay, there's that one in the corner who won't drink the beer because he's thinking about like, you know, whoever, someone's going to come attack the, you know, like <laughs> crazy stuff. So right. um, anyway, that, that led me up to like, boom, the crash happened. I'm getting into the minors and I'm, I'm just studying like crazy. There's a game being played on all of us, the monetary, you know, fiscal policy, all these things. What is, what is money? You know, what is going on? And boy, does their game being played? I mean, it started with reading the creature from Jekyll Island about the federal, 
Federal Reserve, all this stuff. And you realize very, very quickly, wow, there's a game being played on us every single day. Every time you open your wallet, every time you spend something, there's a game being played and you can either be on the right side of it or the wrong side of it. And most people are on the wrong side of it. And that's where, you know, it just became an obsession in the last 10 years of figuring out how do we, you know, get on the right side of it? How do we become our own bank? By house hacking, things like that. How, you know, investing in real estate, becoming your own bank and printing your own currency, you know, then and then acquiring actual assets with our currency, which is, you know, gold and silver, uh, real estate, maybe dividend, high dividend, you know, yielding stocks, things like that. Actual assets, actual things of value instead of pieces of paper. So once I started really learning that stuff, then it really just changed my life and my perspective on what I was doing. Um, got into real, re really got into real estate. I was in building construction management at Michigan State, actually, and then uh, ended up in like poli sci and economics and, and pre-law and graduated that. But I really got into real estate over the next few years and started doing realty. Never thought I'd be a real estate agent or get my license, but I ended up doing that. Got into it for a few years, bought our first rentals, stuff like that, had some stuff, but really, really the, like, you know, 2015, we got our, uh, got our duplex we live in house hacking that. But then for like four or five years, I just really got into the, the, the gauntlet of just doing retail real estate, telling myself a story really of, Hey, the market's super hot. Just focus on retail, you know, make good money and then wait for the crash. And that's really what I've done in the last, you know, four or five years. And then the last year, everything kind of switched again. And I was like, you know what? I don't know how long this, this market might do this for the next 10 years. And at this point, I, I don't know. It might. I mean, the, the Fed's going to keep doing things that they're going to keep propping it up and it might go for another 10 years. We're going to see some really crazy things happen this decade. And so I was like, you know what? I got to revamp my team. So we've kind of turned the Titanic from a retail team to a little bit more of a, an investing focused team, you know, wholesaling, helping sellers with their, with their options, whether it's wholesaling, it might be listing retail, um, maybe a cash offer, you know, quick in, quick out, uh, lease options with them or whatever it might be, whatever makes sense for them. And then we can go do what we need to do with on the back end. They get to do what they, they choose. I mean, really at the end of the day, they get to pick and choose what they want. We kind of give them a menu and they kind of order up what they want. And, uh, and that's what we've done over the last year to almost two years, actually, basically two years we've been doing that Got great feedback from sellers. And now it's really focusing on back towards rental real estate and, uh, and, and putting ourselves in a position to, you know, flourish not, not just now, but really when, again, the crash comes, that's when I'm really trying to prep for is, is that. So a lot of parallels, uh, in our, in yeah. our life and, and in, in the story. And, um, I love that. T talk a little bit before we, I want to dig deep into, you talk about preach from Jekyll Island. I mean, Kiyosaki, a lot of them talk about that book. I, I have read it as well. I want to get into a lot of that outlook. Uh, talk a little bit about like what it actually was that you touched on it briefly, but what actually drew you to house hacking? Like what, what that actually means to you, I guess, more than anything, the fact that you can do all these extra things while you live for free, I, I guess is what I'm getting at. Everybody, let's take a quick minute and talk about rent ready. Are you new to house hacking and wondering how you find tenants and collect rent, especially while trying to maintain professional boundaries and a shared living space? Rent ready can help you manage your house hack setup. For less than $9 a month, you can do it all. Fill rooms quickly with sites like Facebook Marketplace and Craigslist with a free professionally designed listing page. Find high quality tenants with TransUnion certified background checks, electronically send, signed, and store leases, and collect rent for the entire lease or set up month to month charges. For your tenants, they use RentReady's app to complete the application, sign their lease, and pay you rent. They can even submit maintenance requests from the app instead of knocking on your door. Even better, RentReady is unlimited, so you don't have to pay per unit or per tenant. Just one flat price, which puts more money in your pocket. And speaking of putting more money in your pocket, RentReady has given our listeners a discount to get 50% off any RentReady plan when you sign up using our special code SUCCESS at RentReady.com. 
That's R-E-N-T-R-E-D-I.com using code SUCCESS for 50% off any Rent Ready plan. All right, let's get back to the episode. Yeah, I mean, at the beginning, so like five years ago, six years ago, I was just really starting to like, I think I had been in real estate for a year. So like I was doing pretty well my first year. I think I sold like 20 homes or something my first year. Like it was, you know, pretty good year. But like I actually, I had, um, we had bought our first rental like in 2014. I think it's probably 2014. We had basically gone in like debt. We had just got married. So like we didn't have any, any cash. I spent all my money on, you know, wedding and you know, investing, you know, just like a house, like all this stuff. Stuff. And then it was like, oh my gosh, we need to uh, make as much money as possible here because I don't have, I don't like, we couldn't afford to go get a two or $300,000 house and just be like, you know, paying a $1,500 a month payment or $2,000 yeah. payment. So it was very like quickly, like, wow, I have to figure out how to do this. There and, you know, uh, there comes house hacking where it's like, wow, you know what? I've been thinking I want to go the multifamily route in general over the long term anyway. So why not get one and then rent out the other side, live in it, and then, then you're paying nothing basically. So, that's what we've been doing for the last number of years and just loading that spring and, and just building up that, uh, once the spring explodes, exact, obviously once you it's like, Oh, you know what? Hey, we're going to put someone else in there and, and go. Now we can actually afford our, our, our real house or whatever it is. That was really like, it was kind of more of like an, Oh, Oh shit moment. You know, it was kind of like, Oh, like, Oh my gosh. Like we don't, we really don't have an almost another choice like we could, but it wouldn't be comfortable, you know? And it was, it was something where we just, I knew like, Hey, we have to do this one thing in order to delay some gratification in order to get there. And I think the one thing for everyone too, because I know some people I, I've had so many people, I know you've had, you know, probably a hundred times as many people say this to you over time, which is, you know, Hey, I, I so smart. You're doing that. Like, I, I wish I could do that. And I think so much of that is just mental, right? Like what yeah. do people think of me? I'm living in a duplex or I'm living in a three unit or whatever it is. And, and it's, you know, like, okay, who cares? Like if anyone's laughing at you because of that, then they probably shouldn't be in your life, number one. And number two. And, and a no, lot of a lot of times it's almost as if, um, I know for me, like I, I, I never even considered the fact that I could own two houses at the same time. Like I didn't know anyone that ever had done that, I guess. Um, and I think that's also an objection. Like people, people, you know, to your point, you're certainly right. There's an aspect of people saying, oh man, I couldn't do that because people make fun of me and people think I'm weird. There's also, I think, other people out there that have never even considered the fact that, you know, them themselves could have multiple houses, uh, that that's even a, in the realm of possibilities. And so it's like, man, if I get this place, I get locked down. I'll never actually get the house that I want, you know? And um, it's part of the part of the message that I like to relay and, and bringing on people like yourself really helps is the fact that uh, th these are, you know, you can actually strategically get yourself to that end goal, like you and your wife and my wife, uh, you know, myself and my wife want to do as well, which is let's let the this portfolio pay for our dream home. You know, uh, you know, I mean, our goal is to have a nice piece of land remote, build a new house. I mean, that that's that's really what we formulated our dream around. But we understand that, you know, we want to take this portfolio and have it pay for that. And I think that's what we're trying to get out to people. And there's a I think there really is a sector of people that could never consider that as a possibility. Yeah, you know, you're the nail on the head. I mean, like you said, it's it's something that either, you know, someone mentions it to you or just, you know, kind of comes to you or you read something, you stumble into something. But yeah, like you said, most people don't even know you can do it, you know, and that that's again why I fall with teachers in school because you know the, well, why aren't you teaching us this stuff why aren't you teaching us that your assets pay for your liabilities why aren't like little simple things like this 
it, it's just really incredible that people don't even know that you can do it. And you always say this too. I mean, you you have such a great ability to, you know, why not put that low down payment? You, you know, most investment properties, you have to have, you know, 20% down or whatever, you know, something to that effect where you got to put more down, more has more skin in the game, where if you can start getting and accumulating a number of properties where you're house hacking them and you're putting only three and a half percent down or 5% down or something like that, that's incredible. And it, we're going into this environment, which you've already kind of touched on going forward, where taxes are going to be higher. You're going to have printing of a currency like we've never seen before in history, where it's just going to continue to happen. So using other people's money to build your wealth. I mean, it's in the Weimar Republic. I mean, we've had these situations where people have had, you know, trillions of dollars all of a sudden in their hands and they paid off these fixed. I mean, not, there's very few places in the world where you have 30 year fixed America actually might be the only place I'm trying to think very few, if any other place in the world where you have a 30 year fixed mortgage available to you. And the more you can do that now and then have the dollar just devalue over time and then pay off that with cheaper dollars in the future. You know, again, like the Weimar Republic or Zimbabwe places where they've had hyperinflation, it's all of a sudden you got a trillion dollar bill and you just paid off, you know, or whatever, even if it's a $10 million bill or something like that, you can just pay off all of your debts at one time because they're all fixed debts that you had or just making sure hopefully you have fixed debts. So doing that and you like you like you say all the time and use that to your advantage, the low down payments, use those mortgages to your advantage. I mean, there's a chance that we we go into negative rate bill where we've already had that in other places around the world where who knows? I mean, there could be a time where you're getting paid to hold mortgages instead of you paying interest, you're getting paid interest. Instead of you paying hundred bucks a month in interest, you might be getting paid a hundred bucks in interest a month. So that, you know, it just, those are the things that are possibly coming. And I think, like you said, most people don't even know about it. So waking people up because we said this, I think it was off air taking care of this first, you know, if you start taking care of yourself first and, and yeah. turning the game and turning it around into your favor, then guess what? We don't have all these problems. We don't have so much of what goes on in the world is economic driven. It's money driven. It, you know, the currency, it's the economy, it's the economy stupid, right? So like all these things are driven off that. If people are, are stable and they've got this right inside here, their mind, their heart, everything is stable emotionally, physically, financially. Well, guess what? You don't need government to do anything for you. You don't need, you know, Klaus Schwab. You don't need Joe Biden or Donald Trump or anyone doing anything for you. Cause you're like, get out of my life. Like I'm great. I don't need yeah. you. I don't need government. I don't need other people telling me what to do. I'm an adult. I can figure it out. And that's where, you know, coming kind of full circle, that's I'm just vehemently against tyranny. I'm very vehemently against anyone telling you what to do or telling me what to do. I know what's best for my life. You know, what's best for your life. And I don't need someone else in some you know ivory tower telling me what's going on, but it starts in here. It's up to each one of us to be able to put, to know what's going on and figure that out. So that way you can set yourself up appropriately. Yeah. And uh, Gregory Pockets just had a um, guest on who's dual citizen between Canada and, and here. Uh, and he closed on a um, investment property in Canada for 0.9 interest, uh, <laughs> interest rate. Per, uh, and so, so anyways, so let's sort of talk about that. You talk about becoming your own bank. Um, let's talk about what, you know, what real estate really represents, uh, because it's not only a tax shelter. It's a way, as you said, you know, you're paying, you're, you're fixing your rate and you're paying it back in the future with cheaper dollars. Let's, you know, things like that. You're, you're getting paid cash flow. Your tenants are paying down your mortgage. Talk about sort of long term uh, what real estate represents, and then we'll go right into sort of 
uh, what the 20s, what you see the 20s uh, becoming? Yeah, I mean, it obviously represents freedom. Um, you know, like we, we had you on our Freedom is in Free show, our podcast. And it's um, like I said, I'm vehemently against tyranny. It represents freedom. You know, like you when you are working a job that's for some people, it's not for me. Um, to, to me, that's just a, a different form of tyranny because people are telling you what to do. I'm vehemently against that. Some people love it. Some people are fine with that. That's great. We need both people in the world. So that's fine. I'm just totally against it myself, my personality. So to me, it represents freedom. Like you said, getting on the right side of the game 10 years ago, I'm seeing this crash. I'm seeing these things happen. Uh, nine months ago in, in March, 2020, you're seeing these things happen. People getting bailed out. And you're like, man, like there's a game being played. I need to figure this game out. Well, one of those ways is real estate. Real estate is probably, you know, again, we're probably a little bit biased, but I think it's it's the best way to do that. You know, you have, you know, you go buy stocks, you know, you can, you get certain advantages, but you don't get depreciation, you know, buying stocks. You don't get all these advantages. Or, le or leverage, which or is le the biggest thing. That, right. That's what I tell people. You know, if you look at the banks, banks, uh, they, they accrue the smartest people in the world There's certainly, uh, you know, the smartest, yes. uh, you know, financial scientists in the world. And the only thing they leverage on a fixed rate, you know, for a long term is real estate. You can't, you can't get a 30 year mortgage on a stock, right? You know, and so, yeah, to your exactly. point. Yep. No, exactly. I mean, that's, there's very little room you have to operate, you know, like you, you might be able to use margin, but like you said, the people that are generally using margin in stocks are those, you know, the elites, <laughs> they're the ones that get to use that generally, you know, so you have all the advantages you have the, 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 really the four different, you know, looking at the income statement, the balance sheet, you've got uh, depreciation, you've got uh, cash flow, you've got amortization and depreciation. And then um, I think the other one now, um, um, but anyway, you have you have all these ways you can make money and in turn the game, like you said, become your bank and start printing your own money. You're now having someone pay down your asset and in giving you money that you're not working for, but also giving you tax advantages, being able to shelter things off of other income you're making that you couldn't otherwise, where you just can't do that as an employee. So that's that's something where that's what it represents to me. It re represents really the best of all worlds. I think all asset classes, I'm a big believer in diversifying in, in asset classes, though. I mean, the Wall Street tells you diversify, but it's just, you know, have an ETF and have a mutual fund and have <laughs> stocks, bond and mutual funds. Well, that's just one asset class. You know, true diversification is is having some stuff in different asset classes, you know, whether it's business, real estate, paper uh, or commodities, maybe you can throw cryptos and possibly new asset class there. But like having your money in different places is is really different asset classes is true diversification. So that's what it represents to me. It's being out of the system. I think, I, again, I mentioned it earlier, but removing yourself from the matrix and unplugging, that is truly what it is to me, not, not being told what I can can or can't do. If you're owning real estate and you have, you know, a thousand units or a hundred units or 10 units and you're living your life and you're, you got 10,000 a month of passive income coming in. Well, no one's telling you what you can or can't do. You can go do whatever you want. You're not worried about getting fired from your job or things like that. Right. So it's you are in control of your destiny. You have all the advantages the, the governments really all around the world want you to own real estate. Obviously they need housing. They're not good in the area of housing, obviously. So they need people like all of us to go own real estate and take care of it. So they give us incentives to do that. So to me, at the end of the day, it's, it's really about freedom. That's what that's what real estate represents. Yeah. And there's a power of decision making with it, too. I think that's one of the bigger things. Uh, you know, as we talk to a lot of people that house act through coronavirus, uh, everything, you know, we've dealt with as a country in the last year. Um, you know, there's a power in, in, in the fact that most people that house hack, you know, they didn't they weren't worried as as much because they didn't have a mortgage to pay. Right. Their tenants had, you know, paid 
the mortgage. And and it just there's a freeing uh, sense to that. There, you know, the yes. mindset Absolutely. that you go into, you make th- different decisions. You maybe you leave your job earlier. Maybe you get into different asset classes because you have the the capital to be able to do that. Um, so there's just such a freeing aspect to it. And that's why I love how much you touch on kind of the mental freedom uh, uh, that most people don't touch on in the community. And I think that's why it's such an important message. Yeah, it is. I mean, it's fun. It, yeah, it, it's a great point, Brad, because honestly, it's something that I it truly is freedom. And I, I we kind of lightly touch on it. I kind of lightly touch on it there. But that's what it is to me. Like real estate's real estate. Like I love real estate, but it's not like, oh, I'm not out there hugging my, the, you know, the vinyl siding over here and like, wow, I really love real estate. There's some people like that. But to me, it's all about freedom. It, it's what it gives you. You know, what does real estate give you? And that's what, you know, none of us are out there. You're not at a, at a job necessarily. And some people are, but you know, some people are out there because they absolutely love to work and they hate being with their family. Well, that, that's fine. And they're doing that. Too. But most people, they want freedom. Like people talk about, I think when I was like, when I was younger, I think a lot of us probably have gone through this or will go through this in their life. When you're younger, it's like, how do I, you know, how do I make money? How do I do these things? And you you want all this money. You want to be wealthy. You want to be rich, all these things. But what you yeah. realize when you get older, and at least for me, I, I, I'm guessing a lot of people kind of sense this or have gone through this, which is it's about freedom. It's not actually about money. It's not actually about, you know, making the, the almighty dollar, bringing in yeah. more currency. It's about freedom. If you had yeah. five grand a month in passive income, or if you had five million, in, um, but you're free either way, you're going to feel pretty dang good. You're going to yeah. feel pretty amazing when you, like you are touched on, like you have the freedom to do what what you want when you want. That's the difference. And that's what you start realizing. It's not about, oh, I love real estate. I just love vinyl siding and I love putting on roofs and stuff like that. Like, yeah, there's some people like doing that, but for the most part, most of us are in this because you want freedom. And that's like the dirty little secret that no one talks about. And and that's truly what real estate represents. And, you know, the interesting thing, you and I are agents. And so, you know, to touch further on like real estate, it, it amazes me how many really good agents who have been agents for a really long time, it takes them a really long time to figure it that out, right? And they'll they'll come to someone like yourself and say, "Man, I wish I would have actually invested in real estate rather than just continue to go from 100,000 to 200,000 to 300,000 right. a year." But yeah, but never actually, you know, that didn't actually do anything for them. They made more money. And you know, that's another thing I touch on with people that want to make career changes. Career change is fine. And I mean, you know, there's things that uh people really want to do it for, you know, great reasons, but also the thing that real estate represents is freedom, right? And so what you have to train yourself is that monthly cash flow far exceeds, you know, making an, an extra 100,000 or whatever that looks like. Uh, and so many people aren't able to, to, you know, balance those two, those two thoughts. Yeah, it's, yeah, you're the nail on the head balancing those two thoughts, being on the edge of the coin, right? I mean, Robert Kiyosaki talks about all the time. There's two, there's three sides of the coin. There's the bull sides and the edge. You have to be on the edge. And that's where we've, we've just lost that. We've lost that ability to do that. We don't teach critical thinking in schools and people are unable to do that. They're unable to see anything other than what the media tells them or a family member or what Yahoo news says, you know, and that's, that is, I've been saying this lately, the people that will win going forward in life, the people that can unlearn what they've what they've seen in the past or learn the past and then relearn what's coming in the future. And that can mean yeah. anything. I mean, we're, I mean, again, we're going into a very digital world. I mean, we have, we haven't even touched the the surface of what's going to happen with AR and VR and AI and all these, all these unbelievable things that are going to happen in life. And uh, we are, we're just on the precipice of that. So people are going to be shocked over the next decade to see, you know, really what's coming their, their way. And when you can't, you don't have a foundation, you don't have a core, uh, you know, a higher calling or higher being that you're, that you're really following, you just start following whatever, right? When you, when you stand for nothing, you'll fall for anything. And that's the world we see ourselves in. And it's, it's really both sides of the aisle. There's no one immune to it. And you have to be very careful. 
So, uh, so let's touch on this because you and I have a very similar thought process on, and you know, the whole concept of a crash. Like you said, I remember vividly, uh, 2015, you and I, you had bought that place in Flushing. I was flipping a house in Flushing. I remember like people like Robert Kiyosaki were really, really on the train of a crash is coming. Right. And I remember losing sleep over the fact that, man, I got to get this place done because the crash is coming. You and I, I think, as you said, in 2019, you had a little bit of shift. You know, I did as well from the fact that, you know, trying to predict crashes to being able to adapt in crashes. Right. And, and I think adaptability may be the most crucial aspect of entrepreneurship. And I see the book behind you, Crash Proof. Let's sort of go into, you know, we, you and I both foresee rocky times in the in the 2020s. You know, what that looks like is is a lot of people's guess. But, you know, the the real um, economy and, and what's happening now has started to separate, right? Like, I mean, commercial real estate, uh, you know, is really in for a tough time right now. A lot of businesses are, are in for a tough time right now. Um, but yet the economy, you know, the perceived economy just keeps soaring ahead. And obviously that can't happen forever. Uh, but as you said, there's also artificial uh, aspects to this. So so instead of focusing on what the economy is going to do, how about we focus on like what individuals can do here and become crash proof? Uh, I read that book. It's a great book. Like we don't have to necessarily touch on the book, but just the concept of becoming crash proof personally. Yeah, it's. Uh, I'm glad you brought this up because this is something that I was just talking to uh, my family this weekend, uh, my extended family a bit, and it's. I think we talked off air a little bit about this, and it's. It's something that I just eight years ago, ten years ago, it was all about politics for me and and what have you. It was all trying to change everyone around you, and now it's it's in here. You know, you really everyone has got to focus internally. It's like we already said. I mean, if you're if you're taking care of in here, what's going on around you doesn't matter. You're you're electing better people. You're doing better. You have better leaders because you're right when you get your right and everything else around you is better and like you said I think it's not so much about you know get, getting into a, a book necessarily or doing whatever it is but it's it's what can I do and what can we do to harden ourselves become more resilient uh, another good book obviously is, is uh, prosper or the crash course by Pete, you know pre, uh, Pete prosperity Adam Taggart and Chris Martinson another book that I'm actually going through again uh, is prosper because it's about what things can you do because like we said you know we can and people could argue if there's things crazy you know crazy things coming but it's it's a foregone conclusion like there's gonna be insane things things that happen that human beings have just never witnessed, whether it's AR, VR, you know, robotics, all, all the things that are coming. So you better get this right. You better get this right. Your head and your heart, because things are coming that just none, you know, no human beings have ever witnessed or, or imagined. And that's where you have to have yourself right internally to, to be able to go forward. I really, to me, it's all about removing yourself from the matrix. And it's, like I said, owning real estate, it's, you know, maybe getting away from a job, but you know, doing that after you've built up maybe your portfolio a bit and you got your real estate going, stuff like that, removing yourself from people telling you what to do. It's being outside the system. It's, it's having uh, your currency, your dollars in actual assets that are prov- providing cash flow or gold and silver, maybe some crypto, things like that. Just removing yourself from central banking, from the matrix, from governments, and just saying like, I'm out. And then the five G's, uh, you know, was it gold, guns, grub, gas, ground, you know, it's real estate, like having all all of those things to prepare yourself because it's you're going to be mental, physical, emotional, you know, financial. All those things are going to be coming to a head here. And, and again, those that are, can unlearn what they've been taught in the past by the mainstream, by the media, by schools, and then relearn this, they're going to win. You're going to win in the future. At least it's going to be a lot less hard for you. It's going to be hard, I think, in the next couple of decades. Um, a lot of amazing things, things are going to happen with technology. It's going to make our life better in many, many, many ways, whether it's medical, medical technologies, um, things like that. Uh, it's, it's going to be 
be great, but there's going to be a lot of things where, boy, if if you if society keeps going the direction it's going, when we are, you know, there's another topic you get into, but the moral compass is gone and no one has any guideposts. And it's just, hey, this man told me that that's good, so we can do it. Uh, we got a lot of uh, instances in history where that's not a good idea because that that man or that woman they change their mind on a daily basis or a monthly basis or a quarterly basis or a yearly basis. And guess what? The whole rules of the world change all of a sudden because one man or woman said, well, I don't believe that anymore. Well, you know what? Off of this head because I don't believe that anymore. Well, I gave the decree. That's a rule now. So got to go do what I said. That's never good. You know, in, in reading the, the again, I'm a, I'm a Christian. I'm a Catholic. I'm, I'm very uh, faith driven. And so I, now I know not everyone is, but that's where when you, you read the Bible and you really go into things, you start studying history and studying what actually happened, how societies think and how just the masses work. You start seeing these patterns repeat and repeat and repeat over and over again. So you can start predicting what's going to happen in the future. Like you said, you can't predict necessarily when things are going to happen, but we know, Hey, the trajectory of things like 10 years ago, I would have been fighting against, you know, um, you know, the government just, you know, picking winners and losers, bailing people out and, um, you know, the green new deals and things like that, because on the surface, it just is not common sense where it's like, we're going to destroy all these other things to try to make the, it doesn't make sense. However, nowadays I'm like, Hey, this is, this is going to happen. Society is going to go more toward that. One side can't make their case as to why that's not a good way to just let the free market do it. The other side is making their case more efficiently, I guess, and saying the government should just do all that. And people are siding with that side. So what do you do? I mean, you can't, you can go fight them and, you know, into the blue in the face, or you can say, Hey, how am I going to profit off this? How am I going to invest in this? It's like little things like silver. I mean, I, I, I love silver because it's a, it's a money it's in the Bible. It's been money for thousands of years, like gold, but money. So silver is going to be in solar panels. It's going to be in every computer and every digital technology it, there we already have. And then more and more and more. And uh, so those are the things where, like, where you're removing yourself from the matrix and you're getting into asset classes and things that are going to position yourself appropriately. Blockchain, obviously crypto, things like that. Blockchain is going to be a massive part of our future. And if anyone thinks that's not the case, I mean, boy, wake up and smell the coffee. So it's, that's just going to get more and more, getting more digitized, which again, it's bad or good. I mean, one, one keystroke or one bad thing happens and the whole grid goes down. That's another, you know, so that's, that's where real estate comes into hand in handy, obviously, right? Like that's why real estate is so great. You have the five G's. If the whole world collapses, then it's, you got your real estate. People can still pay you to, to live in it. You got your, you know, your gold, you know, you got, you got guns, you could barter with it. It could be defense. You know, it's not going to be defense so much will probably be barter, you know, things like that. Um, but again, those are tail risks. Those are things that are not likely to happen, but they could. But it's good to be prepared. What if there's a tornado? What if there's a hurricane where you're living? What if there's any, I mean, we've seen all these things play out and people just dismiss them like, oh, you know what? That won't happen to me or that won't happen to us. We're America. Hey, it's 2020. And it's like, you just open the Bible, open a history book, open anything from the past. And you just see these things happening over and over again. So it's, hey, how can we prepare? How can we get our self-hardened, resilient for what's coming? And, you know, again, hopefully, hopefully nothing bad ever pans out and half of what we're saying never will. It'll be the other half of things that will or what have you, but getting more prepared is going to leave you more fulfilled. Anyway, you're going to feel better. You're going to, like we said, heart, you know, getting your heart right, getting your mind right. You're going to feel better and operate better. And then the day that's, that's what's important because then you're going to be attracting those things in your life, right? Whatever you're putting out, you're going to be attracting back in your life as well. So if you're more centered and you're more resilient and you have your head on, right? Well, guess what? You're going to attract more people like that. And you're going to repel the people that aren't. So at the end of the day, you want to be doing it anyway, because you're going to be attracting like into your life anyway, people like you. So to me, I mean, that's, that's, I think what's coming. I, I, I just got 
this i'm so i'm really into uh what's coming you know like people like this the klaus schwabs of the world the world economic forum the great reset like these are the people that are running the world everyone goes to davos all the all the you know the justin trudeau's the the, the joe biden's it doesn't matter you know the the president of australia whatever it is the the it's the prime ministers they all go to davos they all meet they're all in on the game together and this is what i was talking about 10 years ago what is the game and, and who who are the puppets pulling the strings and that's where i am i just ordered four of his books about the fourth uh, industrial revolution about all this stuff you know we're gonna have my, you're, by 2030 you're gonna have microchips in you you're gonna own nothing you're gonna rent everything well who is that who, who are we renting from? Well, we're renting from them, of course. So all these things, it's how do I position myself to be outside the matrix, to be outside of that world that's that's coming? Some people might want it. I'm a big guy against tyranny and I want my freedom. And I'm sure a lot of people listening want that as well. It's why you're in real estate. It's why you're listening to this because you don't want other human beings controlling your life. So I'm now into not only like, you know, hey, what's coming ahead, but really getting into the teachings of like, hey, these are the people mapping the society and mapping world over the next 10 years, 20 years, 30 years. So we better start figuring that out so that you can prepare properly. Now, you and I are very similar. We're uh, I like to consider myself a hedger. Um, I'm very optimistic, you know, and, and I'm constantly pushing forward. But I think uh, a lot of people, especially younger individuals, uh, focus so much on the upsides of, of, of situations that they that they never also uh, you know, talk, yeah, 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 exactly. And then they never also focus on the downside and, and minimizing risk. Right. And, and and when I was on your podcast, I appreciate you having me on. But, you know, oh, we, yeah. we talked we touched briefly on the fact that, you know, someone like Dave Ramsey, if, if people are familiar with him, who's who's, you know, no debt uh, and someone like Robert Kiyosaki, which is, you know, generally speaking, he promotes uh, taking on a large percentage of debt. They're not mutually exclusive individuals. They're not actually talking about two different things. They're talking about very similar things. And it's because if you actually look at the mindset that goes into what they're actually talking about, um, and and I try to merge the two because you know, as you said, it's not about predicting. You know, I, I gave that up a long time ago trying to predict what's going to happen in the world. Uh, but it's more about becoming, you know, crash proof like that talks about, yeah. you know, being able to adapt. Um, you know, 2020, no one could have ever predicted uh, or very few people could have predicted something like this happening. Um, but it's more about adapting to it. And that's where I think the crucial point and you talked about kind of the monotony of, of having all these people on to talk about house hacking and being repetitive. But I think it's all about focus, you know, and, and the fact that we keep focusing on this because what house hacking actually represents is the fact that you can adapt. You know, whenever anything goes uh, goes wrong, you can maneuver quickly because you don't have that giant payment like a traditional house. Um, and that's where, you know, that's what keeps driving us to continue to bring on stories like yourself. Yeah, no, absolutely. I, I, I appreciate you, uh, you know, bringing me on just to talk about some of that stuff because I think it's it's one of those things where, like you said, there's, there's people that are way smarter than I am that can talk about real estate. You know, like there's way better tax people and this and that. And I think that Truly, one of my one of the reasons I'm I'm putting this earth, I believe, is is to help people see things a little differently and see things a little further down the road. And uh, it's hard to quantify at times. I mean, I, I question myself a lot actually. It's just like, hey, what what am I doing? You know, why am I here? Because real estate, real estate, like we said, I'm not outside hugging my vinyl. You know, like I don't yeah. I don't love real estate. It's just it's a vehicle. I, I really like it. I mean, I do love it. I'm not in love with it. I guess it's probably the best way to, to say it. And I agree. I, yeah. So it's, it's one of those things where I, I know I'm here. Like one of the things I'm doing is, um, you know, we, we actually just getting my website set up just brandgentile.com and I'm, I'm already started writing, uh, kids books. Like I, I have three kids, you know, you, you know, you're building yeah. your family. There's a lot of people listening to have family truly we have to get our kids right. You know, like you, you got to start creating little freedom warriors, people that are not dependent on the government and, and the elites and all these people around us that are trying to control our life. You got to start with the people that 
need it the most, which are our kids. And, you know, you know, just writing about, you know, principles of freedom and, and morality and all these different things that we're just, just completely lost. It's just gone. It's just like gone. No, like no one teaches it like nah, whatever, whatever the Kardashians said, that's fine. I'm good with that. You know, we're gonna watch YouTube for seven hours a day or we're going to turn on the TV and watch four football games. And it's like, what are, where are we? It's this bread and circus. It's the Roman empire. Literally, I mean, our timeline is so incredibly similar with the Roman empire. It's unbelievable. I mean, just the way things are going, there's seven stages of an empire and it's, it, it's verbatim. It's absolutely verbatim. And it's like, we're making the same mistakes. And it's, I think what's frustrating is it's, it's so obvious and it's so easy to see because history shows us. And that's, what's so frustrating. That's what so many people have their heads in the sand and they just don't want to see it. And it's just, I'd rather watch football for nine hours on Sunday instead of pay attention to my life. And then they turn around and bitch about why my life isn't good. And that's the kind of stuff that just drives me absolutely up the wall. And it's, you know, you, if you if you want to watch football for nine hours, great, but don't complain about your life then. You know, like don't that's totally fine, right? So it, that's one thing I know. Like I said, I just I was put here to just help people see things differently, help them remove themselves from the matrix. One of the reasons I stopped playing hockey ten years ago actually was because I knew I wanted to grow a family. I knew I had to prep people in my life because I saw it was coming. Like we said before, like I sometimes I'm a little off on my you know uh, the timing, but I know things are coming. Reading history, it's not hard. I'm not I'm not Nostradamus. I just read history. I just open books. I read them. I read them. I read them. I read them. I go back to them and read them again. You know, a lot of stuff you and I have talked about, you do the same, you know, a lot of the same type of things. And it's like, we're not geniuses. Like we just, we just take people for at their word when, you know, a Klaus Schwab says, Hey, I'm going to have microchips in all of you guys in 10 years, 20 years. I take them at his word. You know, when someone says I hate America and I want to destroy all of you, I take them at their word. You know, like I just say, wow, they, they must feel pretty passionate. I, I believe you. So how do we prepare for those things? So that's, at the end of the day, that's that's really what it's about. It's, I know that's one of the reasons I'm here is to is promote freedom and to to just harden yourself, make yourself resilient. Real estate house hacking is one of those ways, one of the the key cogs in the wheel of becoming self sufficient and stepping you into that 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 zone of okay, now I'm a free person, truly free, and I can make my own decisions. I'm not beholden to anyone. No, no doubt about it. And um, my wife and I talk a lot about the fact, you know, real estate as a vehicle. Um, I separated it a lot in my own life because uh, oftentimes I I ponder a lot, like what what is it that I'm actually here for? Because I know that real estate is is awesome. I love it. I love the fact that you can uh, take something that you know people view as um, you know downtrodden and, and not a great property and turn it into something that people really inspires them and they love it. You know, like that's a lot of fun for me. But it's also it, it also is just you know it is just concrete and and wood material you know at the end of the day uh and we're here for so much more um yes. and and so yeah so one question we like to ask because i think it's so important is that so many people we get on this podcast your podcast they set out to do something uh and in this case it's house hacking right we get a lot of people that set out they want to house hack they see the benefits um but it seems like the 80 20 rule applies to you know this as well where maybe only 20 percent of the people that actually set out to become house hackers actually do it why is that what what is what is your take on on why is that why, why, do, why do so few people actually do what they set out to do? Yeah, that's a great question. I think some of it is goals that we talked about earlier. One of the things that people can learn from my story is goal setting and truly doing that. I, I failed at that young, when I was younger in life. And, uh, and, I, and I say fail, but I, you know, I believe there's a plan for, for all of us. And I, you know, I actually, I did follow my plan. I didn't set goals though. Maybe my life turned out differently a little bit, but I wouldn't have the family I have. So there's reasons things happen, but goal setting is number one. But also I think one of the other big reasons is people letting the naysayers, the noise get to them, you know, and they always say like, I used to, <laughs> for anyone who watched the uh, show back in the day, Deadliest Catch, when they, you know, uh, crab, catching crabs in Alaska, um, those crabs can get out of the cages. You look at the cages and it's like, it's a very obvious question. Like how, how do they not get out of that cage? 
And it's the simple answer is because the other crabs pulled her back in. So when yeah. one of them is trying to escape, and that could be you in your life, you you grew up with a family and friends, whatever it is, and then you're trying to step outside and do something different. And we talked about this earlier too. People are trying to help you. They think they're helping you. They think they're saving you. They don't want you to get hurt. And life's about getting hurt. And I, that's, again, another topic for a different day, but we have lost that in life. Everything's about equal everything in life. And it's that's not life. If we, that was the case, we'd all be robots. We'd all be machines. We'd all look the same. We'd all act the same. It'd be the exact same thing. But that's not life. Life's about getting hurt. Life's about getting knocked down. And, you, and when you're trying to you know, level the entire playing field and everything in life is completely the same, well, you're now depriving me or depriving you of learning. How the hell do I learn if I've never failed, if I've never done anything? I don't learn. I don't I'm not, I don't know what's right and wrong. I don't know what's good and bad. I don't know what's up and down. I don't know if, if I, I don't know how to learn. So when you're trying to just crush everything and flatten everything, you're depriving human beings of the way to learn. I mean, when a kid's falling down over and over again, trying to walk, you don't say, hey, stay down. You know, we're not complaining saying, well, that's not fair. My kid can't walk when he's six, six months old. How come the other kid can walk when he's one and a half or when he's six months old? It doesn't matter. The kid's going to learn. That's how we, we fall. We get down, we get up, boom, over and over again. Repetition. So I think that's really at the end of the day, again, what I, you know, you try to promote, I try to promote is is really is thinking differently. You know, is house hacking is one of those cogs in the wheel. It's not the end all be all. We're not trying to house hack the rest of our life, obviously. We're trying to use it as a stepping stone to build our portfolio, to uh, to use debt to our advantage, use good debt, and, and springboard us to to freedom and to get to a different level. So that I think really at the end of the day is 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 what it's really all about. For sure. For sure. I uh, I agree hundred percent. Now, um, books, you you ha- obviously have a huge library behind you for those that are are just on the podcast. I mean, he's got a ginormous library of books behind him. I know you read a ton, I do as well. Uh mindset and business specific like what what are some of the books maybe that set you up or some of the ones that you're looking at now that really helped you to you talked about hardening your your mind um and and one of the things that we're trying to do with this community as you said so many people try to pull you back uh to position and there's so many great metaphors for that and you mentioned a couple of them um and and that's really what this is like what are some of those mentality books or, or business books that really help you to solidify your thought process yeah um the one thing by gary keller is is probably one of my top three books Books of all time for sure. It, it could be number one, honestly. Um, I've always so I've always had a hard time uh, just with organization in my life. I'm a person who needs to be organized, but I'm by nature I wasn't really taught how to be organized. I wasn't you know, when you're playing sports, as you know, and like a lot of things are done for you. Like here's an itinerary to show up. Um, a lot of that, a lot of that is done for you, so you lose a lot of that. And so the one thing to me was just such an unbelievable book because I mean the whole premise of the book literally is you know one thing. So doing the one thing that pretty much deems everything else unnecessary. So you're doing the one thing every day, and so many of us, and I'm as guilty as anyone else, we get up and you start checking things off a, a list. You know, it's but they're D tasks, C tasks, B tasks. You know, we just feel like we feel good, but we're not crushing that one task, that one thing or whatever it is that would really render the rest of that useless. And so if you're doing that one thing a day, that would take everything else out with it. So like, for instance, one thing for me actually is, I guess you would call it a task maybe, but I, we talked about, you know, hockey growing up and stuff like that and, uh, in sports and, you doing football. I did hockey. I mean, the one thing to be an elite level athlete and play in college or whatever, playing the pros, you have to be very disciplined. Well, the one discipline I didn't have in my life, like eating, no problem. I stopped drinking pop when I was 12. Literally one day I was like, oh, I, pop's not that good for you. Cool. Won't have it again. I think I've had it like 10 times since then, since I was 12 years old and it's been in like alcoholic drinks. So I've never once have gotten, it's just because I knew it was bad for me. I'm, mm-hmm. I, my, I take, you know, my, my body takes water. A, a car takes gasoline. Why would I put Kool-Aid in it? You know? Mm-hmm. So my body takes water. 
why would I put pop in it? Same, same concept. So like very easy workouts, everything like so easy. It was, it was just, the discipline was always there. Never an issue it was going above and beyond. No problem. The one problem I had in my life is sleep. My, my family is the uh, night owls by nature. And uh, my, my extended family always joke about my immediate family, actually. And my, my brother, uh, it'd be like one in the morning and something, you know, one of them would call my father and then like, you know, three-year-old in the background, be like, Hey, you know, aunt so-and-so. And they'd be like, is that, is that, you know, is that your, is that Brandon? You know, is he, you know, like, Oh yeah. You know? So like that, my one thing in my entire life has been probably because of hockey, my family's night owls and then hockey, like I said earlier, you'd be getting home so late and then have to get up so early the next day. It really was like this perpetual cycle. And then as you got older, the games, you have seven o'clock games, seven 30 games, eight o'clock games, you're getting home and you're wound up and it's one, two, three AM. And unlike football or football, you're doing that once a week. So you can, okay, maybe a day is off or something like that where you have a day. Well, in hockey, you might have two, three, four of those a week. So now your entire week is just constant repetitious, you know, uh, terrible schedule. And so that one thing has been the one thing I really just started clearing up the last year or two of my life. I'm still not perfect at it, but it's not, you know, but now it's going to bed at nine, 10. I will, I will, I will say the one thing that really changed my life was having kids and the more kids you've had, the easier it's become because boy, the kids get up and they're up. And if you don't get your stuff done before they get up, you're, you're out of luck. So that one thing has really helped change my life, which is children actually, which I always say that's, you know, they're the biggest asset in your life. They're not, some people look at them as the biggest liability, but it's, they're the biggest asset. They become your little warriors. They, they are the ones helping you actually get better. If you're, if you're open to it and seeing that and making you more disciplined, that is the one. So the one thing that is the one thing I, that book has helped me so much. Cause I'm like, man, if I just in, change my schedule around, I would, everything else would become pretty much wouldn't have to work on it almost because I, I have so many disciplines in so many areas, but that one thing was destroying really. It kind of ruined my hockey career to be totally honest with you. I mean, I, there was, there was times where I, I was a kid who was going to, to pregame skates and things like that. And then we have optional ones. And later in my career, I was just completely skipping like optional pregame skates, things like that, because I'd be going to bed at like two, three in the morning, four in the morning, a night for a game. And, and then I would miss, you know, I sleep until like 10 or 11, miss the morning skate. And I was just a complete mess. And that was, I look back and I realized I wasn't supposed to be playing hockey at that time. It just took me a number of years to kind of catch up to where the rest of my, my thinking was. And uh, so that took a while, but again, sleep and, and just getting your schedule right. And it's, you know, again, I mentioned Jocko earlier, but Jocko was one of those guys too, where hammering the sleep thing. And that's what one of his big sticks is, is to, you know, get up at 4am, 5am. And boy, that coming from someone who literally used to go to bed at 4am, coming, getting up at 4am, 5am is literally one of the most unbelievable things you can do for yourself. And then obviously going to bed early at 9am, 9 p.m. or 5, 10, but that one, that is the one thing with the one thing book, obviously, um, that really has, has changed my life for the last handful of years. Such a great book uh, and a great concept because, you know, I often get a lot of people asking me um, sort of for advice being young. And and one of the things that I'd struggle with, struggled with for sure, uh, is shiny object syndrome. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's very, very, I mean, it was very, very easy for me to, I, I jumped from thing to thing and real estate was kind of a core, but I always was doing all these other things uh, as well. And one thing I did several years ago was I decided to cut every everything off, you know, and, and literally I felt like real estate was the thing that was for me and that all the other things were fantastic. But if I, if I didn't focus in on something, um, I would never actually get anything done. And so I often get asked, you know, about Bitcoin and things of that nature. I'm like, man, you know, cryptocurrency, I study it and things of that nature, but if I were to focus on different things, I would be in all sorts of different things and I'd never get anything done. And that book really quantifies it, uh, that, you know, you gotta, you gotta figure out what it is. What is that one thing for you focus on it and then go do it. And then eventually, you know, you can go on to the next 
one thing, but it's such a great book. Yes. But, but you hit the nail on the head too. I mean, I'm glad you brought that up, Brad, because that focus is the number one thing for entrepreneurs. Anyone probably listening to this basically is going to have shiny object syndrome. Some people more than others, but if you're entrepreneurial minded at all, you're going to have that. It doesn't matter because you're just seeking, you're, you're learning, you're trying to find new things. And like we already both said, when I mean, we're, there's still a lot of us trying to find out what is that true, true calling. And even, you know, even if you kind of find it, I mean, like, I, I feel like I've kind of found mine. You're still questioning. You're still thinking because yeah. you're curious. We're curious people. We're human beings. So focus is huge. And I think that is really an understated thing. That is like, if I had a tip to leave somebody, it would be that. I mean, it'd be, it'd be focused, be waking up early, making sure your schedule's right. Because that really sets the foundation for your day, which obviously those days compound and sets, you know, your month, your year and, yeah. uh, and focus, 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 yeah. and find the thing that you really like, you love, you're passionate about, whatever it is and focus, you know, all in on that and you will be successful. What about real estate book? Um, I mean, for me, it's, uh, you know, clearly the cliche one is Rich Dad, Poor Dad, but that's not mine. Mine was actually another Robert Kiyosaki book and Donald Trump um, book. So the one they wrote, one of them they wrote together, which was Why We Want You to Be Rich. That's actually the one that I, I kind of like it more than Rich Dad, Poor Dad. It was the first one I actually really read like 10 years ago that really, there was one that blew my mind open. And uh, it just, it, it, I don't know. I think they did, there's more charts and graphs, I think, in there and stuff like that, like which is probably what maybe what I like more. But that was the one book I knew who Donald Trump was. Was, I was in the store, I was grocery shopping one day. I, I think I'm trying to think, it was either Michigan State or it was like my first year of pro. And I was grocery shopping and I'm in, of course, I find myself in the book session at the grocery store and I'm like looking and like it's just in the bargain area and it's like three bucks and it's Trump and Kiyosaki. I had no idea who Kiyosaki was and I knew who Donald Trump was. And I'm like, oh, okay, like I I love real estate. I mean, I was I was in it in school and building construction management. I always love real estate. So I'm like, I gotta, I'm gonna get this three bucks. And so I read it and Kiyosaki, it, just open my world up to him. He wrote, you know, a good chunk of it, um, you know, probably 67% of it. And it just blew my mind open as assets pay for liabilities, money working for you on and on and on. And I was like, Oh my goodness. It was like a year or so after the market crash had happened. And I'd always been like searching for that, that, that those answers, but never knew it existed. Never knew, really knew what I was thinking until I read that book. And I was like, this is what I've been thinking of my entire life. And I said, no one that explained it to me. And it's like, Hey, maybe you're an entrepreneur. Maybe you know, you, you know, you should be an investor or maybe whatever it is, you know, like it just blew my mind open. And I was like, I knew that just, cause I never, I still to this day, I don't know what I want to be in life. Right. We just kind of talked yeah. about that, but like, yeah. everyone's like, what do you want to be? What, what is your major going to be? And I changed yeah. it like four times. It's like, I don't know. Like, I don't, I have no idea what I want to do. I didn't want to be a doctor. I didn't want to, you know, do whatever. I, I thought I was going to be a lawyer for a second. I love reading. I love law, but like, I didn't want to do any of those things. So that book really kind of changed my life. It was really one of the big inflection points watching the crash. And then a year later, finding that book was just my blowing and seeing that. And then like a year or two later after that, probably 2011 or 12, I picked up um, Mike Maloney's book, who was a rich dad advisor at the time, which was the guide to investing in gold and silver, which is I think the, the number one best-selling precious metals book of all time. So that was in the other inflection point, like three inflection points, like one each year for like three years. And that was like, just turned me on to like, I love history already currency, monetary history, all that. And those, so those like books right there were just unbelievable to me where I was like, wow. So then the real estate book was why you want you to be rich. And then guide to investing in gold and silver, which, you know, it's got the gold and silver, um, you know, filter to it, but it really talked about history and just how you can, the cool thing I like about Mike Maloney was everything was, Hey, it's not, he's got a gold and silver dealership, but it's really like, Hey, how do I use this cycle we're in to then actually buy high dividend yielding stocks and investment real estate, rental real estate. Yeah. That's when you want to use the 
actually cycles to your advantage. So you can yeah. come out of one asset class that when it gets overvalued, you sell out and you jump into the undervalued asset class. And that's where I was like, oh my goodness, like why in the world? And then I got super pissed off because I'm like, why wasn't this taught to me in school? So there's like a year or two on reading these books. I was yeah. like super mad. So I'm like, I knew it. I knew it. I followed these doctors for followed the teachers for years. And this is all this is all the proof that I needed. So yeah, that, yeah. those are the books. <laughs> no, he I, I got to meet him at a New Orleans investment conference, one of my favorite conferences. Oh, and uh, you know, he was he's amazing. He's amazing. Yeah, I love him. That's you're talking about Mike Maloney, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah great. I mean, unbelievable guy. And that's a that's a good conference. That's that's probably a conference most people have not been to. That's and if no. you no one's been to that, I mean I would just at least try to watch it virtually or do stuff like that. Cause that's that is a whole different realm as well. And a lot of what we just talked about for the last hour and what you talked about on your podcast, right? For just sure. different thinking, get removing yourself from the matrix. So for sure. Yeah. No, I mean Kiyosaki's there, uh Peter Schiff's there, Maloney's there, so many great people and and the whole aspect of the conference is around uh, not only hard assets, but but the whole mindset around it, um, and cycles and and geopolitical uh, pressures on currencies, and just you know, it's it's a incredible conference. You know, not a, it's not for everyone, I suppose, but uh, for people like you and I, and probably the people that listened all the way to the end of this podcast would probably be more inclined. I mean, it's a great it's a great podcast, and I think um, because I actually you know this year was virtual, of course, everything was virtual, but I think you could still buy into the 2020 uh, you know virtual yeah, you one. So if anyone's interested, it. Was wasn't very expensive. I can't remember what it was. Maybe uh, maybe a hundred bucks or whatever. Um, but but very uh, very affordable and, and a great conference. Yep, it is. It's uh, that and then the the red pill one as well too. I've not been to the red pill one. That would be awesome. Similar similar type of yeah. event. Obviously, I've uh, heard Kiyosaki talk about it. Yes, I think Jed Griffin, the one who wrote the Creature from Jekyll Island. I think he's the one that puts that on. Okay, perfect. <laughs> so uh, kind of wrap it up. Your thoughts? Do you have any uh, parting thoughts you have here? Kind of on on house hacking and and just uh, solidifying mindset and stuff. Uh, and all the things you preach on um, for our audience. Yeah, I mean, think for yourself. I mean, this is where, again, we're entering time. If, if, if you know, if people can't see a theme through everything we've talked about here, it's, it's <laughs> remove yourself from the matrix, think for yourself, and do your own homework. You know, so many people just, like we said, flying by the seat of their pants and watching football for nine hours, which it's fine. We all have our, our vices and all the things we do, but spend some time on yourself. I mean, I tell them my team this every single day, you know, spend some time up here. The economy is between your ears. It's not, you know, what Klaus Schwab says or, or Joe Biden or Donald Trump or whatever. It's in here. You know, like you can either have the greatest year of your life or the worst year of your life. And it's all up to you. It's completely up to you. And it's just, it's all in here. So, you know, block of the noise, block of the naysayers. We talked about just, you know, what people may or may not do or why they might not do house hacking because what people are going to think of me what are my friends going to say i'm or maybe you already have a house i mean there's people you know way more than me but like they they uh they live in a a regular house maybe a single family home and then they go back and house hack so um you know like if if anyone pays attention like a gary vaynerchuk right in the marketing world you're right like he talks about that all the time like downsize like go go backwards take a step back to go two steps forward i mean it's you're not limited to anything again it's in your mind everything is up here in between your ears that is it's the only thing holding anyone back from anything they want to do it's it's noise whatever it is it's it's all up here so that would be my my advice to anyone is follow know what you need to do because i think that's part of it like we all know like when we're going into a take a test and we believe me i know this when i when i studied to take a test i felt great and when i was trying to cram the night before like i go into the test i feel terrible right and we yeah. all have had those feelings so that same thing in life, you have to do some of your own homework. So that way, you know, you have that conviction, you know, like, hey, this thing is going to happen. Then guess what? It's very easy to actually stay in things. I, I've had, you know, I, I mean, you too. I like you have people say things to you negatively and you shrug it off. You're like, okay, well, you know, hey, that person might not understand. They might not have studied or whatever it is. So it's very easy to kind of keep following your goal when you know you're convicted, you've done your own homework. 
Um, you know, you want to be open to other people, obviously, but if someone is just randomly kind of like, oh, yo, you live in a duplex or you live wherever, you know, it's like, yeah, you laugh at them, you oblige them, you amuse them for a second, but you just keep going doing your thing. You know, like you just yeah. keep doing your thing because you have a long-term goal. So like I said, think for yourself, remove yourself from the matrix, think for yourself and, uh, and stand in your, uh, your convictions. That's, that's my advice. Absolutely. No, great advice. Uh, Brandon, I, I want people to, uh, learn more about you and your, your podcast and all that. Where can people find out more about you? Yeah, probably the best place is brandongentile.com. We just, we really just got that going here uh, recently. So we're still working on it a bunch, but if you go to the bottom, I mean, all of my social media is there. So you can find all those links there to all of our social and yeah, so that's, that's it there. You know, probably the best way to find me right now. Cool, man. We'll link that uh, in in the podcast description. Uh, we'll promote a lot of lot of just this and on Instagram and and some of the uh, media that outlets that we use and uh, just get the word out, you know, because I think it's important. I think what you touch on a lot is important. I think um, so many people attach themselves to whether it's political leaders or thought leaders, um, and and they they move and sway to everything someone someone says, no matter what side of the aisle you're on, no matter what side of thought process you're on, and your whole message of freedom, detaching yourself from the matrix being able to think independently um and i think it's very important to to grow this think tank that, that we have here of, of people just you know just the, the nature of you know emotions involved with it you know people try you know people that really care about you pulling you back uh so so creating this community which is what we are attempting to do and, and along with yourself and a lot of other great people creating this community to be able to grow thoughts and ideas and, and be able to get people out of the matrix is really what this is all about yeah it truly is and i appreciate you having me on brad I and mean, you guys are building an incredible community and just glad to be a part of it and uh you know keep keep doing what you're doing because we need uh, god knows we need a lot more people like what you guys are doing and uh to like you said promote you know, freedom and uh you know just promote free will you know like we, we've been given free will right so um you know think for yourself and uh and find what it is when you do when you do think for yourself find out what it is and focus like you said focus on what it is you're trying to do and stand on those convictions so i appreciate you having me on brad for sure man well we appreciate it and uh, we hope you have a great day yeah thanks man i'll talk to you soon all right man